This is the Books Podcast presented by Tim Haig. A patriarchy harms anybody who inhabits it. It's not just something that women have to fight against. Everybody suffers. Villainy is generally small and wretched. I ask you, gentlemen of the jury, is this the kind of book you'd like your wives and servants to read? Joanne Harris must be bored to death being introduced as the author of Chocolat, Although, on the other hand, it did propel her into superstardom. And Joanne is here with us now. Joanne, thank you for joining us on the book uh, podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Am I right in thinking that it's, it's one of the handful of books by a British woman that sold a million copies? Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's called The Millionaire's Club. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we've earned a million, but <laughs> it does mean that we've sold more than a million. So are you are you happy when it always comes? Is, is it is it like a millstone, or is it is it the 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 door into the promised land for you? Well, it's it it is what it is. It was twenty five years ago now, and I'm I'm very grateful that people are still reading it, that they still love it, that there is affection for those characters who I'm still writing about, actually. That's true. Um, but I'm also writing a lot of different things, and and sometimes it's a little frustrating to be judged on one book from years ago, or sometimes even worse, the film of one book years ago, when in fact there's a whole spectrum of stuff that I've been covering since. Well, let's speak about one of those different things, because you've got a new book out, which is Broken Light. Um, and we're going to talk about that, but I have I have a small problem with Broken Light, and it is this. I came to it completely innocent, a virgin to the book, <laughs> and knew nothing about That's it. That's absolutely the way to come. And it is so much the way to come to it, because one of the things I absolutely loved about this book is the way you unfold it, the way you, you uh, bring the, the reader into the story, the themes, the characters. It's, it, it just works so well if you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> <clears throat> which presents us with a small problem because we have to talk about it. And I'm going to, for, for the first time in my interviewing life, I'm going to ask you the most ghastly question. What's it about? Okay, I'm going to give you the pitch that I gave to my agent because I always, I always have to explain what I'm doing next. And it's very difficult. And it always starts with, well, I'm writing something new. It sounds a bit mad, but... And then I said, menopause carry. Oh, oh we, right, we, lovely. We all know Carrie, we all know Stephen I King's wrote, Carrie. I wrote Carrie down early on in my notes oh, as well, I was reading go. it, because I said, oh, you know, this is reminiscent in some way. There's a little nod there. to Stephen yeah. King in there, isn't there? Yeah. Because Carrie, of course, in his book, develops her paranormal ability at puberty, and there's a lot about the hormones of pubescent girls in there. And I thought, you know, he's Mr. Trick. He should have given her powers to Carrie at menopause instead. When, That's of what course, I'm going to do. A woman has a lot more experience and a lot more exactly, a, a, actually, a lot more um, <laughs> anger. Well, this is it. If if Carrie is all about rage, you know, you you don't know rage until you hit fifty and and the hot flushes start. And yeah, so I thought I'm going to write a version of Carrie which is older and quieter and perhaps less of an obvious paranormal story. And I'm going to see where that goes. This strapline actually makes a reference to the invisibility of women. Um, and, of course, that's one of the major themes of the book, is that when you hit, uh, hit menopause, then people stop looking at you. You, you, you somehow uh, fall off the radar. Oh, absolutely. I think it happens to pretty much all women. At a certain age, they stop being seen. And this happens to women in the media, on TV, in film. 
in the book world, in all sorts of places. I mean, I've been wandering around central London an awful lot recently, and it's amazing how highly honed my invisibility powers are around there because men try to walk through me. And I think they partly expect me to get out of their way. And if I don't, they kind of stop and look annoyed as if, you know, as if it was their right to walk through me or to make me move aside. Um, and I think this is, this is what happens when you live in a patriarchy and the value of women is so strongly tied to their appearance and their ability to procreate. And I think we are fed this line when we are girls, as Bernie is fed in Broken Light, that puberty is when your life begins, it's when you become a woman, it's when you're able to have children, and then, you know, some 30 years later, some 40 years later, perhaps you hit menopause and, well, you're over, really. You have to get out of the way and 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 give give space to other people. I particularly liked uh, what you did with uh, Bernie's menopause when she, she consulted her doctor, Dr. Lovett, <laughs> and, uh, who uh, uh, says, you know, crashing exhaustion, mood swings, weight gain, hot flashes, sleep paralysis, night sweats are not a real problem. Um, although <laughs> Bernie says, he did ask me if I'd noticed a drop in my interest in sexual activity. And I thought, bang on. Uh, yes, that's exactly right, isn't it? It is kind of right. And it's exactly what happened to me. And this is pretty much what my doctor told me. And so I gave that experience to Bernie so that I could rant about it a bit. But yes, it's, it is very much, you know, how's your sex life? And you're thinking, yeah. well, you know, with all the migraines and the hot flashes and the sleep paralysis and stuff, not so great, actually. Also, Bernie's sex life was never important to her anyway. You say, no. uh, she says, she says uh, earlier on in the book that uh, it's, it's like uh, hoovering. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's a chore that you, that you undertake to keep the house running yes. properly. Bernie's relationship with her husband is slightly complicated. And, and yes, sex is not number one on her priority list. Um, Bernie isn't me, of course, but I've, I've allowed Bernie to borrow various aspects of my experience so that I could make her into a character I could believe in. And I love her dearly. She's, she's however, not, not me at all. One of the things that struck me is, is very much that it would have all been handled very differently if a man had been writing uh, this book. I think so. You, you reference... And it Bernie's was. Stephen King handles it very differently. He's very different about hormones and what they mean. He's very different about relationships well, between he'd girls. he's seen adolescent girls but never been one. Yes, and I think he, he, he does have an awful lot of mean girl-on-girl -girl action, which I didn't want in my book, and I wanted to try and, and make relationships between women less spiky and, and more positive and affirming. I was struck with that notion when, uh, with with this business of the, of the marriage to uh, to the husband Martin. Yes. Um, partly because I didn't think a male writer would have then moved it on to uh, so that the the marriage did evolve. It would have been just a, 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 a blocked fact of life. The nature of her marriage to Martin, and then there's a passage which I'm not going to spoil. I'm, I'm so anxious not to do any spoilers. But there's a passage in which they do have a connection and where she begins to understand something about him that practically made me cry, which is a bit embarrassing. I was on the train. I'm absolutely delighted you cried. Many of my male readers have told me this, and I thought, excellent, this is a really good result because I want there to be a connection with Martin as well. And he this didn't is not... have to stay where, where no. he was at the beginning. No, he didn't, because I want to write real characters who have nuance and 
who are able to grow and evolve. I didn't want flat characters. I wanted those characters to be believable and to come to life. And it's not just a book for women of my age. It's a book for everybody. It's, uh, there are all sorts of characters there to relate to. And although there are some objectively quite awful men in this book, I think that even the worst of them are still believable and they still do change. Not always for the better, but they, they are capable of change. And I think that's really important. The whole of this book is about changes. It is. And what they mean and the consequence of changes. It, uh, and it is. And of course, you're right. Some of the men are not good people. But um, you, you, you do manage to get an angle on them where you can even feel pity. Perhaps not Absolutely. sympathy, but pity for um, a, a man who is perhaps a rapist. I think so. I, I think this is not, it's not a book that endorses rape, but I think you can, you can take from it the fact that a patriarchy harms anybody who inhabits it. It's not just something that women have to fight against. It's an unfair, biased system, which is toxic in its interpretation of gender and relationships, and everybody suffers, including men, including men who think that actually they are the bosses. And, you know, Bernie's superpower allows her to intuit the weaknesses and the, the vulnerabilities of people around her so she can see this and through her, so can the reader. We'll talk about her superpower in a minute, although one of the things that her superpower does is it turns the tables so that we, you've got uh, uh, groups of men who are, um, who, who are feeling paranoid and, and feeling that they're the victims of, of a, a new toxic femininity, <laughs> um, to, you, to borrow a phrase from one of your characters. Um, and you have an enormous amount of fun, don't you, um, with them trotting out the kinds of complaints that women could make but until recently haven't done. Well, yes. I, I had a little play about table turning and applying certain rules to men that have really previously only been applied to women and to see how people would respond. So some of it is satirical. Quite a lot of it is about the internet and how people behave on the internet and culture wars and how people relate to the idea of feminism and what that means, which is a great big topic, of course, but I do touch upon it quite a lot. And the idea of equality and what that means and how it doesn't necessarily mean just being the same as men at all. It, 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 it means something quite different. About three quick, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about the powers and the turning of the tables. Uh, but I still want to talk about uh, about the nature of the book because we've said it it, it it has its carry elements, but it's not a horror novel. It's not. No, it's it's, it's not it's, a horror novel. It's <clears throat> not even entirely a paranormal novel. It's. I think it's a psychological thriller, like my other psychological thrillers. It is a yes. It's a psychological thriller with a potentially paranormal element to it, if you choose to believe that it is. Otherwise, it's a thriller with an unreliable narrator who's perception of the world is is something very particular that that you have to unpack and in the same way it's not it's not strictly a satire although it has satirical elements it could have been uh, it could have gone in the the full sort of satire um full-blown uh, sort of getting into the big world but you you wanted to tie it very very much to the specific circumstances of bernie of, of your of your main character you didn't yes. want to have you know questions in the house and uh, no. and, and 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 see what's and, and one of the things the no, one i didn't want to do, do a polemic no i wanted still to it to be character based and 
intensely personal. But even more than that, when, when there is a certain amount of violence, uh, uh, but it's all off stage. Uh, again, I thought a, ma- a male writer would probably have taken us to the event where the where a death happened or something and yes. put us there. What you've done is, is, is keep it off stage and have it reported back to us. Yes, I didn't want there to be a lot of outright violence and particularly not violence against women because I think in fiction and particularly fiction written by men, violence against women can be depicted in an almost pornographic way. And it's. I didn't want to glorify any of the violence. I didn't want to... To, to get off on it or, or for anybody else to get off on it. And so I've handled it in a slightly different way. Um, that There's quite a bit of implicit violence. There's a lot of internalised violence. Um, but no, that there isn't that graphic element that, that exists in Carrie, for instance. Because that's not what I was going for. So we've talked about um, powers. And, and Bernie has, um, in fact, <laughs> about three quarters of the way through, um, I said to myself, She's a witch, <laughs> um, but she's not a she's not a tall, pointy hat witch. Depends she, what you mean a witch. A, but yeah, she's could it, be anything. She could be anything, but it's the, she she fits in. Sure, she sits in that that um, female power um, dynamic, um, and we have to talk a little bit about this. Tell me about playing house. Tell me about the right. Well, I wanted to give Bernie Moon a superpower of one sort or another, and I thought, well, okay. What, what, what's it doing? Because, it's, because I'm not writing an out-and-out fantasy novel. I want it to mean something to her. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a kind of subversion of the trope of women's intuition. So I gave her the ability to look in people's minds. But I also wanted to give her a metaphor for it, an image. And I thought, okay, Bernie is pretty much a housewife. She understands people's houses. She understands housekeeping and front rooms. She knows that your front room is where you bring guests. It's open to the public. You've got all your nicest books there. Uh, You clean it for visitors. That is your acceptable public space. Around the back, there's all the junk. There are the things that you've put away or not put away. There's the dirt. And sometimes there are basements where bad things happen. Everybody has got a house. Everybody has got a front room. She would understand that kind of metaphor. Oh, you say Facebook is basically everybody's front Facebook room. Facebook is exactly that. And Bernie Moon lives on the internet quite a lot. And so her, her mirror, uh, her window to the world is, is really the internet. And so I, I made it an ability to go into people's minds or their houses and in some cases to interfere with the furniture, to move things around, sometimes even to make them do things and sometimes even to swap them around, to put somebody from one house into somebody else's. And that actually is the, the trigger of, of, of the whole plot. Exactly, in yes. That case is true. Um, yeah, the, if, if, again, if, if some, some of us, are, we've been told by Marvel Comics that if you have a superpower, you go out and fight crime. But um, Bernie doesn't do that. Not quite, no, because she's not that kind of person. Uh, her life is very small, and her triumphs, such as they are, are quite small ones. She has no friends, uh, which, uh, you know, she married her childhood, she married Martin straight out of school. Absolutely, yes. And, and of course, one, again, one of the themes of this uh, book is, is not just how the powers uh, bring her onto a bigger stage and give her confidence. Acquiring friends does. The, the, the book is about friendship because she, she meets other women with whom she's able to make a connection, and, and that is is the the real way out for her. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is, I didn't want it to be a big, splashy story about fighting supervillains because I don't believe in supervillainy. No. I think villainy is generally small and uh, wretched. And like so Eichmann, she, the banality of evil. Exactly. Yeah. And so what she fights is small, generally, and her influence on people is generally, but not always, quite small. And so this is a micro story. It's an intimate story. Um, she tries to help other people sometimes. Um, she helps a girl who is at risk of being date-raped by a predator. But also she helps people to understand how to buy books for their children because she has a job in a bookshop. And she interferes when, when mothers try to tell their, their little boys that the book they've chosen is for girls and not for boys and so they can't have it. And and she tries to she tries to help people around her. It doesn't always necessarily work, but her intentions are good, and her reach isn't vast. And she actually does a certain amount of damage in 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 some ways. Well, yes. Which is again, you're not sugarcoating this. If if you're going to change people, people are not simple. There are no binary assumptions about this book. There 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 are no out and out villains and no out and out good people. Everybody has got shades of all kinds of emotional baggage and different kinds of experience in there. So what I, I wanted to do was, was not determine what's good and evil or say men are bad and women are good or even female friendships are better than male friendships or anything like that. It's, it's not, none of it is as simple as this. I wanted to talk about changes and their consequences and why we should embrace change and also be careful of it. And I want to talk about gender and the relationships between people um, and what those things mean to us. Um, and I want to talk about social media and its influence and its reflections on society. Social media is a big part of this. I, I, absolutely, I have to say I absolutely loved Didi Ladouce, <laughs> uh, who is a, a, an online um, uh, influencer. Oh, yes, she? she's a menopause blogger, but she has an absolutely ideal life. <laughs> she's got a menopause, uh, mybigfatmenopause.com. That's right, and um, people have asked me where they can find this website. <laughs> they can't because I made it up, although it may well have created she, itself now. Hey, goddess, she keeps... Yes, her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my gorgeous goddesses, she's always calling people this. And, and basically her solution to all menopause problems is have more sex, eat some seeds. And have a bath. Exactly, and have, and have bubble baths. And it is a sort of parody of all the influences that we see with their airbrushed and perfect lifestyles. Because in the end, Bernie ends up looking inside Dee Dee and finding that actually, you know, Inevitably. even Dee Dee is not quite as perfect as she presents herself. But there's a, there's quite a lot of of this uh, of uh, social media stuff going on. The, there the is. toxicity of it, and yes. uh, and you've you, you've got again you have great fun and with the addiction dialogues. too. Oh yes, the addiction and the fact the the false intimacy of it. And there's a lot of stuff in the book about the Lady of Shalott, who of course we know was unable to look at the world directly, but looked at it instead in a mirror. And Bernie uses the internet in very much the same way. She uses the internet to play out her imaginary friends' lives without looking at the real world. And eventually she does look at the real world and she realises that there are things in there for her to experience and it pushes her out of her comfort zone and that's mostly quite a good thing for Bernie. As well as The Lady of Shalott, you, you've, you've got a, um, a pop song associated with every chapter, um, yeah. which would make actually a pretty interesting 
pre- playlist. Yes, um, there's a either yes, a you were listening playlist. to that while you while you were writing, or that's doing the same thing that the Lady of Shalott is doing. It it sort of is, yes. Now that music is quite important in this book, and I've had playlists for books before. I wrote a book called Blue Eyed Boy, which was an entirely on the internet, and which was also very much about the communities and the connections we make online. And there was a playlist there to to give little clues about what might be happening or what might happen in the future. Now, um, so the, the the music in this book is is a little bit the same. Some of it features in the plot itself. There's a lot of play on um, the man with the child in his eyes by Kate Bush and also Man Child. Um, the Nene Cherry, yeah. By, yes, by Nene Cherry. So, you know, which one is he? Is he the man-child or is he the man with the child in his eyes? And what do both those tropes mean? But also, there, for people who do know those songs, there are little kind of Easter eggs in there that might suggest what would happen later in the book. And, and I know that people are already downloading that playlist and, and trying to find them. Then you've got the playlist for the film, which <laughs> is quite convenient. Although there'd be a very different film from uh, Chocolat, um, although there might still be a part for Johnny Depp in it. I don't think so. No. I don't. I don't Can't see Johnny Martin. Depp is he as too Martin old? somehow. Okay. Um, I don't think he's too old necessarily, but I don't want. I would think very very hard about who played Martin because because he's a complicated guy who is not altogether a good guy, I wouldn't want him to be artificially boosted by being played by some kind of media heartthrob. I would like him to be played by an ordinary guy so that... Russell Tovey. ...don't get in the way. Okay. But I also don't see it as a movie. I see it as a series because it's it's quite a complicated story that progresses over quite a long time and there are quite a lot of characters to take in. And I think that movie... Making tends to be a very reductive process and you have to slash and burn a lot of your book. Whereas with a series, you can actually really take your time and extend the delivery of the plot, which I think is, is quite important. I'm, I'm really very hopeful that that, that would happen. It would make a just great TV thing. series. I would it? really enjoy that. Yeah. Well, it, actually, it makes a wonderful book, I have to say. Well, which, that's all I want, really. In, um, the, in the long run, I don't write books because I hope they'll make it somewhere else. I just want them to be good books. <laughs> well, I think, I think you've done it. I think you've managed Thank it. Thank you. I'm glad and, you liked um, it. Really, I really cannot recommend it too much. Joanne Harris, thank you very much. It's Broken Light, uh, and it's published by Orion at £20. Thank you very much. That was Books Podcast, presented by Tim Hay. Books Podcast is a Green Shoot production. You can find out more at www.green-shoot.com and Tim can be contacted on tim at green-shoot.com.